welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we hope you join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30. We are located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After the message, take a moment and visit our website at vcctulare.com. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. John chapter 11 is really a, a pivotal chapter, especially in the way that John tells a story about Jesus. Uh, the other gospels spend a lot of time uh, talking about his first three years of ministry and all the different things that were going on. And, and, and really, you finally get to the, the last part of the other three gospels, and that's where it talks about the last week of Christ and the last few weeks of Christ. Well, John does it a little different. He views the last four or five weeks of Christ's life as so impactful that we'll spend the rest of the book there. In fact, I, through my calculations, and, and you know, I'm thinking we're going to spend the next five months, uh, you know, another 20-some-odd weeks in the rest of John. It's just so impactful to, to, to understand what John is teaching us and what the Lord and, and the Holy Spirit is teaching us through that. But things are heated up in Jerusalem right now, if you might remember. Every time Jesus would teach, he would use the words, I am. And he's calling himself God. I am one with the Father. And he keeps telling them who he is. And just as, as humans do, oftentimes we don't understand what the Lord is saying to us, or what the Spirit is saying to us. And they, you know, the, the religious people just kept saying, well, tell us who you are. And he keeps going, I am telling you who I am. I am and they're just not getting it. So every time he says, I am, more people come to, to understand who he is. So you kind of have this separation. You have this group that's starting to, to understand who he is. Every time he says that, and they're starting to think, he really is God. They're, they're getting it. They're starting to understand it. The Lord is opening their eyes. But there's this other group that's ready to stone him. And several times they were ready to. And, and in fact, he just kind of disappears or, or walks away. And he gets out of this situation because his time has not yet come. So at the end of chapter 10, he heads for the desert to teach, and, and they're looking for him because they're planning on taking care of him. I mean, they're, they're, they're ready to, to get this controversy over with. And in the middle of all the controversy with the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious people, the miracles at the same time start to ramp up. So you have all this controversy going on in the background, and you have just one miracle after another miracle after another miracle happening. Some powerful things are happening in the middle of all this mess. And as believers, we have to decide sometimes. Am I going to live in the middle of this controversy? Or in the middle of God doing some really powerful things? Because we could stay back in the controversy or we could go toward the powerful things that God wants to do. We live in a, in a very controversial world. And as Christians, sometimes we have to decide, is this battle worth it or is this battle not? Sometimes we have to step up and say, you know what? This battle is worth it. I, I'm going to step up. I'm going to put my neck out there. I'm going to step forward. This battle is definitely worth it. Other times we have to look at it and go, ah, I'm not really sure. And, that, and, and that's why I say follow the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit talk to you. Go to, go to the Lord in prayer when it comes to those controversial things and find out, Lord, do you really want me to do this? But in the middle of the world's controversy, we bring a very powerful Jesus into situations. Ironically, the disciples at this time did not have the Holy Spirit living in them. So they sort of had this power, but they didn't have this power. 
And they're still really asking dumb questions. And, and this is great for me because I go to the Lord all the time with dumb questions. And I'm glad that he just doesn't knock me aside and go, come on, Alan, you've been with me how long? And he goes, let me teach you this again. And he goes through it with me again. And hopefully I'll start getting some certain things, you know? But this really makes me feel good that the disciples are this way because sometimes we're in the same boat as they are. So let's read in chapter, uh, John chapter 11 and see what he does. John 11, 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us get back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. And yet you're going to go back. You're going back there. Jesus answered, are not the 12, uh, are not, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble for he sees by the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Jesus is basically saying, wherever I go, I'm supposed to be there. I'm God. Wherever I go, it's okay. So Jesus is really okay going back down south, even though the, the, the people in Jerusalem really want to uh, stone him. He's not afraid of Jerusalem. He's just kind of setting up the timing. He's going, okay, it's not time yet, but uh, okay, you know, wait a couple of days. Now it's time. Verse 11, he goes on and says, After he said this, he went on to uh, tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His his disciples said, or replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus has been speaking uh, of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go now. So Lazarus is dead, but, but I'm okay with that. I'm glad. It's, it's such an oxymoron, this, this whole chapter here. Then Thomas, or, or the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. And what is Thomas, uh, Thomas saying here? He's saying, Lord, this doesn't make sense. If he's dead, are we going to go there to die with him? I mean, just, I just don't get this, Jesus. So let's kind of go back through this and, and see what he's trying to say. Because Mary and Martha are going through something that, that really no one ever wants to go through. And we all have to go through it. It's seeing a loved one pass away. It's seeing a loved one uh, go be with the Lord. It's seeing the loved one uh, no longer here on this earth. But at one point or another, we all have to go through this process. This is their brother. Not only are they in mourning, but they're thinking, how are we going to survive? There wasn't a lot of jobs for women in this society at this point. It's not like they could just go and take over whatever Lazarus was doing. Oh, well, I can do that. There's just not a lot out there for them. But their brother is dead, and, and they don't really you know, want to believe it. And this is understandable. You, you get to people in, the, in that grief process, and, and, and they just, they're just saying, I, I can't believe he's gone, or I can't believe she's gone. I, I, just, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. 
And as soon as they figure out that a sickness is bad, they sin for Jesus. Can you, see, can you feel the emotion of, of what's happening here? You know, w- today we do this through, through prayer. But back then, God was on earth. And they, they were like, go get him. Go get him right now. He's sick. Just go get him. So they send the messenger out into the, to the desert to find Jesus. And when he finds him, he says, Lord, the one you love is sick. And I love that last song. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Doesn't even say Lazarus. He just says, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus knows who it is. The Bible calls the town of Bethany the town of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And it's interesting how God views things. God views his cities not based on commerce or agriculture, but really on his children that live there. And we do the same. If I say to you, I'm going down to San Diego, and you have a relative, a son or a daughter that lives down there, you're like, you know, the, what's the first thing you would say? Oh, I got, I got a, you know, a daughter that lives down in, in San Diego. Let me show you a picture. Hey, if you get a chance, go down and meet her. You know, go down and meet the family. I mean, you, you, you totally associate the city with somebody you know that's there. And the Lord is the same way with us. When he looks at Tulare, he doesn't think of the ag show. He doesn't say, did you know there's more cows than people in the county of Tulare? He doesn't say that stuff. He pulls out his wallet and says, let me show you the picture of my family that lives in Tulare. And he calls them by name. So, so the town of Tulare is the town of Alan and Lisa. So you can start calling it that. It's kind of cool because we sense the heart of the Lord here. And we need to see that because he looks a little heartless here in this story. I mean, he stayed for two days when he could have been going and helping. He seems a little heart, heartless, but we need to see the heart of the Lord. You would think that, that when the messenger arrived to him, he would double time it back. You would think that he would be like jogging. And the disciples would be like, Jesus, slow down. Do you ever get tired? You think that that's what, what he would do. But he said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed there for two more days. That doesn't sound very loving to me. That sounds like a, a person who could care less. Well, I'm not really done yet here. But, but Lord, I mean, you see how callous this may feel? And sometimes God is like this, and we, we just totally don't understand. Lord, my, my friend is hurting. Can you help? Well, what do you mean, not yet? And he loves us so much, he doesn't do anything yet. Have you ever been like that? You're like, Lord, hello, you Hey, Lord. Christ is here. I got a deadline. I mean... Have you looked at the calendar lately, Lord? The time is coming up here. Hello, are you there? Maybe it's our health issue. Maybe cancer has popped up. Lord, there's, there's cancer here. I only have so much time. Our financial, Lord, I, I need a job. I only have so much money and savings. Or I don't have any money, Lord. And the response is, I love you, but I'm not ready to go there yet. And that is so tough. These ladies watched their brother get sicker and sicker by the day. 
I could imagine them keep going outside, going to the edge of town, looking out. Is he coming down the road? Or going up to the, to the roof, their patio, and looking out going, is he here yet? The servant returns, and they're like, Jesus is right behind you, right? You ran quicker, right? And he goes, no, he's, he's not coming. You told them that Lazarus was sick, right? You told them. You told him how bad he was, right? Yeah, I did. So now they're putting Lazarus in the tomb. And Jesus didn't even show up. And Jesus even knows that he's dead. What we would call dead. He's dead, and I'm glad I wasn't even there. How callous does this sound? And he confuses everyone by saying, now that he is dead, God's glory is going to be revealed. Let's go to him. This is so callous. Especially when we start to understand what Jesus means when he says, I and my, I and my Father are one. You see, when we come to the Father in crisis, and there really are crises out there. There really are times in our, our lives when, when we're just sitting there going, I have nowhere else to go. These are life and death prayers sometimes. And Jesus comes and says, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for right now. But, but, but Lord, what, what do you mean you're not going to give that to me right now? I need that now of all times in my whole life that I really needed you. I need you now. But I'm not ready for that. For us, man, doesn't that feel wrong? You know, I love the travel and I love travel with kids because they're pretty funny sometimes. But one thing I know through youth ministry and college ministry, no matter what age they are, before they learn the concept of time and speed and distance, what question do they always ask? How long till we get there? Are we there yet? How much longer? And, and as a youth pastor, I always had one answer to this question. I always said 20 minutes. Didn't matter if we were 20 hours from the place or two minutes from the place. It was always 20 minutes. They finally understood he's not really going to answer the question. We're just like this with the Lord. Are we there yet, Lord? Are we at that place where you're going to take care of this, Lord? How much longer, Lord? Father, I need you. And he keeps telling us, we're not at the end of that journey yet. We're not there yet, Alan. Lord, answer the question. Well, Alan, I just answered that question 10 minutes ago. You keep asking it every 10 minutes. I know, but I didn't like your, your answer last time. I can't stand to wait. I don't like the waiting part of the answer. You mean not right now, Lord? Oh, okay, how about now? No, not yet. Wait 10 minutes. What about now? I don't like the waiting part. Isaiah was holy, okay? And Isaiah said, They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. In my not-so-holiness sometimes, this is what I would say. They that wait upon the Lord, they get really frustrated. And then the Lord reminds me, Alan, be a little more holy. Be a little bit more like me. And I'm, I know you're going to renew my strength, but I'm frustrated still. I don't like waiting at, the, you know, at all. I get impatient. 
I almost wish we could just get to the end of the message so we could all go have a good time and have lunch and go home. I mean, that's just my personality. I want to get through things. And you're thinking, yeah, but you've got a lot of pages of notes. What do you mean you like to get through things? I stand in front of the microwave thinking, come on, 15 seconds, can't you count faster than that? I can't stand it. Especially when there's church things. Man, there's so many things that I want to do with the Lord and so many things that the, 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 the direction I want to take us in the Lord's like, not yet. I haven't brought the right people yet. I haven't, you know, placed this upon their heart yet. Not yet, Alan. We'll get there. Let me do it. So my answer should be most of the time, well, thank you, Lord. I, I know you're working on it. But that is so difficult reality is most of the time I'm like okay well then when tell me Lord when and the more I study the scriptures the more I start to understand it that there's this Lord that uh, that, I mean there's this pattern that the Lord takes us through uh, of waiting this waiting period I think of Joseph thrown in the jail for being godly for years he wasted time in jail of all the things that he could be doing for the Lord of all the things he could be accomplishing for the Lord He's in jail. Hello, God, what about the dreams that you gave Joseph? He's stuck in jail. Lord, sometimes you just seem so cruel. You know, sometimes we think life is just going to come together. And and then all of a sudden, Lord, you're allowing this to happen? We even pray for others and we watch them get healed. We pray for others and, and the Lord takes care of it. And we don't get healed. Man, that is just tough. It's frustrating, isn't it? What is up with you, Lord? I've been faithful. Like we had this brownie point system. Lord, after everything I've done for you, and the Lord's sitting there going, let's look at your file, Alan. It's not about a brownie point system. Sometimes the Lord completely stays out of a situation until we have no other options, especially in the day and age of medicine and, and all these miracles that we have with medicine. You know, I I love the idea that the Lord has given us. I mean, we're able to take care of so many different things with our doctors. But sometimes when we run out of options, all we have left is the Lord. Mary and Martha are out of options. And then he shows up. Now, I would be mad at this point. And so many people get mad at at this point. And they kind of go off on the Lord. I called for you, Lord, and you didn't even show up. Why not? I want, I want a good excuse, Lord. Tell me the truth. You know, sometimes we, we forget who God is. He's not a delivery boy. He's not an instant healer. He's not a, oh, whatever I ask you to do, you're going to do, Lord. And I'm so glad that he just doesn't kind of kick me over to the side and say, well, that's enough. Sometimes he nudges me. Sometimes he takes care of me. But I'm so glad he allows that anger to come out. And he goes, okay, are you through? Now let me talk to you. It was days before Jesus showed up and did anything. Imagine if we got to a point where if God did not respond to what we wanted, then we realize that we are the issue, not God. Maybe I'm trying to control the things that God wants to control. And I need to get to the point of understanding of who really is in control of this world. Who really is in control of my life? Who's really in control of the living beings on this earth? And if he chooses not to do something right now, that means he has something greater 
later. But that is so hard to believe right now. But Jesus said that it would be for God's benefit. So now that Jesus uh, arrives, Lazarus has been in the tomb for how long? Four days. He was Lazarus' friend. And he chose not to heal them. There's those that are, that are out there that ask that, uh, and teach this, even that, that if we just ask him, uh, you know, he'll heal every time. And then we, come, then we get to that point where we can't understand why he didn't do it. And that is so just, that's just really not biblical. Every one of us is going to die from the last thing we were sick of. So at times, sometimes the sickness is part of the plan. Verse 17, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has, always been in the, has already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to, come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. And John is really good at showing the two different personalities here. They have one thing in common. They're very upset and they handle it in two different ways. Verse 21 says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, she is mad and she's going to let the Lord know. And the great thing is, is how the Lord handles this. He doesn't say, come here, what did you say? Do you know who I am? He lets her say it. If you had been here, none of this would have happened. Nice of you to show up now. Verse 22, it says, But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. God said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, and I, I think it was kind of a smart aleck answer. I know he'll rise again. And the resurrection at the last day. Well, duh. I get that, Lord. I've learned that. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the, into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. Now, we don't know that Jesus called her. I mean, it's not in the scripture, but I kind of think Martha's kind of manipulating a little bit here. He, he's asking for, it's your turn. You, you go take care of him. You go ask him why he didn't show up. I mean, he, he got me and I, I sort of understand, but, but now you go ask him. See if he gives you a different answer because I'm not completely satisfied almost. Verse 29, it says, When Mary heard this, she got up and quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. So she just like takes off out of the house. So they all start following. When Mary reached the place where Jesus uh, was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We've already heard this once. Man, the sisters are in tune here. If the healer, if God had been here, he would not have died. 
And I think we all go through this at one point in our life. where We become disappointed in God. Usually it's because He doesn't do what we think He should do. But like a good parent who says, No, not right now. But I want to. Well, when you're old enough. And what do we do? Like a little kid, we pout. We beg. We plead. We cry. And a good parent will hold firm. And they'll say, why? You know, the kid will say, why? Because you're not ready for it yet. And that's what Jesus did here. Jesus said, you're not ready for it yet. But the time is coming. Verse 33, he goes on and says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? If only he had been here. That's what they're saying. Well, John is great at showing the emotions of Jesus. And if you're taking notes, there's three things that John says here. First off, the first thing he says is that Jesus is troubled. And this word troubled is the same, same word for when they were out on the Sea of Galilee and the waters were troubled. In other words, waves were just, I mean, it was just out of control. So we're not just talking about, oh, he, he, he's just troubled. No, I mean, the emotion is there. It, he was troubled. It was like an ocean just going crazy inside of him. He was troubled about that. He is, he, you know, it's churning. And in John chapter 14, he says, don't let your heart be what? troubled but in John 11 he says to us I know what it is to be troubled I understand that that troubling feeling I understand that so John chapter 14 that's not a trite statement that's not just a glib statement that you know this is terrible and what he's doing there is he's bearing our burden Isaiah says surely he bore our sorrows he is bearing our sorrows and our burdens He was feeling like what we feel like at a funeral. He loved Lazarus. Lazarus was his buddy. He he understands this feeling that we have when we lose somebody. He understands the word troubled. Have you ever been troubled? Troubled is when you don't get eight hours sleep because you keep thinking about whatever it is that's on your mind. Troubled is is when you're you're not really good at work. You're not at your best because you keep thinking about whatever's on your mind. Troubled is you run out to the car and you totally forget your car keys because your mind is on whatever, you know, is going on. Troubled is when it's always there and there's no relief. Troubled is when, when two people a day are saying, are, are you okay? It's that turmoil inside of us. And Jesus fully understands this feeling. So I want you to understand, you are not alone when you're troubled. Jesus understands whatever you're going through. He understands that. Secondly, it says that Jesus wept. When Jesus was standing by the tomb, everyone's mourning, everyone's milling around, and the tears are streaming down his face. 
I mean, this word, if you go back to the Greek and, and really understand what it's saying, it says he cried and he cried. This isn't just a little, you know, you know, his eyes got a little glossy. No, he cried and he cried. The writers of Hebrews later on say that, that we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us. And that's what he was doing here. He was feeling this and he's not afraid to cry. And if he's able to, Shouldn't it be okay for us to cry too? Women get this. Women are totally, I mean, not all, but I'm, I'm generalizing. Don't get mad at me. But women are a lot, a lot more able to cry than men are. We hold, because we've been taught from little kids, don't cry. No, no, son, I know you scraped your knee. Don't cry. No, 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 you shouldn't be crying. Come on, buck it up. Come on. Men have a hard time with this. We need to get to a point where it's okay. If Jesus cried, so can I. One of the worst things for, for a Christian to do and, and Christians in general to do is, is to put on a fake happy face at a funeral. It's okay to let those emotions out. It's okay to cry. It just means you really love them and you're really going to miss them until the day you get to see them again. It's hard for us to think about our God crying because for us, crying means, oh, we're out of control. Control your emotions. But God establishes that this is okay for us. Now the third thing is that it says that Jesus was deeply moved. Or another translation says he groaned in his spirit. You know, when I first read this, I thought, okay, that's kind of the silent weeping that people go through. Okay, I I think I really get that. But that really is more the troubled part of the situation. In the real, original language, I went back and looked this up, it, it means that there's almost like a growling, like an anger there. And I thought, man, this is kind of weird, you know? It's almost like a low growl. And he did it a couple of times, it says in the scripture here. So I went to the Lord and, and said, you know, wh- why were you growling at a funeral? I, I just don't understand this. And it reminded me of the timeline here. He knows that in less than four months, He will be in the grave. This is righteous anger here. He is mad. Well, what is he mad about? He's mad about death. He's mad that we, as humans, his creation has to go through death to get life. And he's mad knowing that there's some that won't choose. Won't choose that life. Because they don't understand what true life is. See, this on earth is only part of it. Death is the enemy of God. It is a separation for God, you know, from God for many. God didn't design us to be separated from Him. He designed us to have a relationship with Him. He designed us to spend our, you know, our our whole lives here on earth and eternity with Him. You know, we we think of Jesus as the Lamb of of God slaughtered on the cross. and, and, And that is true. That is true. Don't get me wrong. But he's also the lion. He's the lion that attacked death on the cross. He attacked death as he died and he overcame that death that we might have life. And at Lazarus' funeral, he was growling at death. Almost as if he was saying, Father, let me at it right now. I know I have four months, but oh, you know, that oh, I can't stand this. 
Verse 38, it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the, uh, the, sister of the dead man, by, the time there is, uh, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. And Martha's actually very practical here. It would stink. It's almost like she's saying, believe me, Lord, I wrapped him up. I know he's dead. You don't have to check. But Jesus is not really checking here. Then Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear, I I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Makes you wonder, why, why did he call out in a loud voice? Why did he say the name? Maybe there was other bodies in there. If he just said, come out, they would all like jam at the door, you know? Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is so interesting. He looks like a mummy coming out of the tomb. You know, all those shows that we see of the mummy coming out? I mean, this, I wonder if this is where they got the concept from. I don't know. But he looks like a mummy and he's like, take those things off of him. Who do you think was the first person to get there? I think Martha. She's the doer. Let me go do this. What's fascinating about Jesus here is that he has the power to raise from the dead. But he asked other people to do the unwrapping. He could have inst- I mean, he could have done the whole magic thing and they just kind of all fall off. And everybody would be amazed. How'd that happen? Well, he did it. No. What does he do? This is how Jesus needs us. He allows us to be a part of what he's doing. And that is so cool for Jesus. It's so cool when that happens. It's so cool for us. And a healthy church is like this. The Lord calls people, you know, out of death, out of their, their past lives, whatever situation, the, you know, they've come from. And then he says to the rest of us, hey, go help unwrap them. Hey, go build a relationship with them. Hey, go, go, go talk about their life. And, and, oh, yeah, I was in the tomb. I, I mean, I was all wrapped up. I didn't know what was going on. I was gone. I was dead. Now I'm alive. And the Lord is sitting there going, build a relationship with them. And this is what a healthy church does. And the Lord brings healing. And it's our job to help unwrap. What a cool job to have. Verse 45, it says, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. (laughs) I bet they did. Seeing a mummy come out of the tomb? I bet you they did. Verse 46, it says, But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. What are we accomplishing, they ask? Here's a man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. Now this is fascinating. No one is arguing what Jesus did. No one's arguing that he raised somebody from the dead. They're just worried about their power. They're just worried that, that you know, what's going on? I, I, don't, I don't get this. I mean, the Romans are going to come in. I mean, we can't allow this to continue. They're not arguing that Jesus just performed one of the the biggest miracles. 
that anybody could ever imagine bringing somebody back from the dead. And what a sad rejection of Jesus is this. It's one thing to to reject Jesus. It's one thing to reject God when you don't know anything about him, when you don't know God at, at all. It's entirely another thing to know what he can do and then reject him. I know he raised him from the dead, but man, the Romans, we can't allow this to continue. It'll cost us too much. You know it's true, but it's almost too inconvenient for you. And we see this too often, that people know the truth, but they would lose too much, so they decide to reject. Sad. Verse 49, it says, Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up, You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but the high priest that year, he, uh, but as the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. How illogical is this? He has the power over the death. We just saw him. We just saw this. We heard multiple witnesses are coming in saying, he raised somebody from the dead, so we're going to kill him. Well, they didn't get it. He can raise himself from the dead. I mean, it's so illogical. But Caiaphas prophesies here about Jesus. Not that he believes, because he has a hand in killing Jesus. He just has no idea what he's really saying. Well, I've... Ran out of time here, but I do want to pray before we end this. There are Marys and Marthas and Lazaruses in this room. And you're in a possible situation from a human standpoint. And you really cannot see God working. And and really, you're, you're just wanting a touch of Jesus in the middle of this situation. And you're bothered because he hasn't done anything yet. And just because he hasn't done anything yet doesn't mean he's not planning to. It doesn't mean that, 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 that it's not on his agenda. It doesn't mean that he's not thinking about it. He may even be waiting for you to talk to him and say, Lord, I have no other options, none whatsoever. Sometimes God wants to do something greater later. I don't understand why he works that way, uh, you know works that way later than what our timetable is maybe today is that later for you i don't know so get ready to pray that big prayer right now don't give up why have you given up don't do that because god didn't do it on your own timetable our god doesn't have the power to do it god has all the power in the world he can raise people from the dead So we have to go back to the Lord this morning. So if you're in that situation this morning, raise your hand. Raise it up. If you feel like you're in an impossible situation. Okay? We don't do this that often. But why don't other people gather around some of these and lay hands on them and let's pray. Our Creator. Our Lord. You are King of this universe. You are the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords. 
you know everything. And you know what situations are going on right now, now Lord. You, you even know those hands that should have gone up that didn't go up, Lord. I pray that you help us with what we view as these impossible situations. Whatever they may be, Lord. That we come to the understanding that you are involved in our lives. You are there. Sometimes you want to do things right now. Sometimes you want to wait a couple of days. We don't know that, Lord, but we know one thing. You want us to keep asking you. You want us to be that child that says, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You never get tired of that question, Lord. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you use your spirit in the middle of these situations. You bring other people around them to support them. You bring other people into the middle of the situation that that they don't even realize that they're helping, Lord, but they are. That when we give up everything, you come in and you raise from the dead and you say, okay, now it's your turn to help. Allow us to unwrap people, Lord. Give us the heart to unwrap people. We love you so much. And we know that you can be in the middle of these impossible situations. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you in the middle of this impossible situation. Knowing that he can take care of it if he chooses to. May his face never turn from you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.